just want to say that um, I want to thank the church family for your prayers when I lost my mom in April and I went to Nigeria for a burial. And I want to thank everyone for your constant prayers, uh, visits, some of you visited us, for your words of encouragement, for your words of comfort, for your generosity, for your gifts, and uh, this is just a fantastic family of God's people. I just love this church. Thank you so much. Now, um, so when I was preparing to go to Nigeria, I was planning and I booked uh, my flight with Air France. And the reason why I like uh, Air France, of course, some people have complained. In fact, there was a time we traveled as a family with Air France. And uh, my wife was not particularly happy with their services. Um, We lost uh, our trolley, and uh, they didn't treat us quite nice. But I just love Air France. And I will tell you the reason why I love Air France. Uh, I think uh, probably last year, 18 months ago, when I went to Nigeria too, um, I'm a fly blue customer. So without knowing it, they just upgraded me to premium economy. Wow, I love this so much. If you see the seats, you made the headphone, they welcomed us with a drink and you know the leg, the, the, the leg room, it was fantastic. I was treated like a king. I loved it. So I said, well, uh, if this is what I, I'll be enjoying with Air France as a Fly Blue customer, I will keep on flying with Air France. So when I wanted to book this time around, I said, well, no way I'm going to book with Air France. They've got a very good uh, customer service. They treated me so well. And uh, I was looking forward to even the meal. You know, I was looking forward to, to, to just traveling with them. <clears throat> So, on that same day, on Friday, I was supposed to travel, leave Manchester around 5.55 a.m., and then get to Lagos at 7.30 in the evening. I'd already planned what I wanted to do in Nigeria on Saturday morning. I was to drive to Ilorin, then start preparing for the funeral, which should be on the next Friday, meet people, I mean, arrange the service, meet some other people, the chairs, and many other things who are trying to arrange, I mean, so that I could do that, I mean, the, first, the, the, the five days before the funeral. So I set off from Manchester, got to Paris. It was really good. As soon as I landed in Paris, I got a text. Your flight to Lagos has been canceled. And the next flight will be on Monday, which is about three or four days later. Wow. So I was just thinking about my premium economy. (laughs) You mean you're taking all the privileges I had the other time? And so it took three hours. We had to negotiate. We had to talk to them. I'm going for my mom's burial. There are things I need to do. People are waiting for me. And... Eventually, they arranged for us to go 
with Ethiopia Airline. And Ethiopia Airline left Paris 11 in the night when I should have been in Lagos at, at 7.30. So we, we flew for nine hours to Ethiopia, stayed at Ethiopia for four hours, then another four hours to Lagos. So I got to, to Nigeria almost two days later. <clears throat> and normally the other time I flew with Air France, with the premium economy, you know, it, they treated us so well. Your luggage will be the first to come out. You know, special treatment. You don't need to be on the queue. They will arrange everything for you. In fact, it, it was really wonderful. But this time around, they didn't bring my luggage. <laughs> Everything I needed was inside my luggage. I only took some few things in my hand luggage because, you know, I you never expected that that would happen with Air France that I love so much. <laughs> so we, when I got to Nigeria, so I couldn't go on, on Sunday, uh, on Saturday to Ilani, and we had to go. We kept going almost every day to see whether our luggage will arrive. So we were told that the guy who filed our complaint didn't file it well. We had to file it again. Actually, my luggage came five days after, just the day before the barrier. So can you imagine what I had to do? In fact, for the first time, I think in my life, I didn't shave for almost three days. Because I had special, you know, my toiletries, everything was inside the luggage. I had to, even clothes, I didn't have any clothes, you know, things I didn't plan for. You know, events that I didn't even think would happen. Things I thought I would have accomplished three, four days before. I couldn't because I had to travel to Ilori on Monday. So it was like hardship, you know, I've calculated everything. This is how it's going to happen for weeks. And everything was disorganized. What was I going to do? And time is running out. And, and the purpose is that on Friday, my mom will be buried. And most of the things we need, I had to be there physically to talk to people, to meet with people, to arrange things. You know, it was as if everything was crumbling down. So even, you know, I didn't plan to buy clothes. I had my clothes already. I, I had my shoes and they were in the luggage. I had to think of, oh, will my luggage arrive or not? I had to go and spend money that I didn't intend to spend. You know, it was just catastrophe. I don't know how to, to, to say. So after three days, after three days, I was praying. And the Lord took me to this scripture, which I want us to look at. Proverbs chapter 24. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 10. It says in ESV, If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. Do you know that we go through challenges in life almost every day. Things you didn't plan for. Events that you never expected that will happen. 
and they happen suddenly without giving you notice, even without giving you um, uh, allowance to plan for an alternative, and everything just crumbles. There are challenges in life like that. You go through difficulties. We go through challenges. We go through hardships. We go through troubles. And sometimes you don't have any control or influence over those situations. That's the reality of life. And we are saying as Christians, as disciples of Jesus Christ, in fact, sometimes we are praying, Jesus, take this thing away. As, as we are praying, Jesus, take these things away, the more the intensity of the problem. And sometimes we begin to query, God, where are you? So one of the first things I discovered is, as Christians, as disciples of Jesus Christ, we are not insulated from the hardship, from the troubles in this world. Adversities will come. In fact, Jesus told his disciples in John chapter 16, verse 33, that in this world, you will have tribulations. So Jesus knows we need to prepare ourselves for that as disciples, as Christians, that we are going to go through challenges. In fact, some of us are going through some challenges now. Somebody said, there are three things happening. Those three things could be happening in your life at the same time, or it could be one of them, or it could be two of them. The first one is just that you have almost finished going through a challenge. As that one is growing and you are celebrating, thank God you have delivered me, another one is landing on you. Or another one is about to come in. Those three things, one of them might be happening at the same time. You see, my message this morning is in two dimensions both for our life and for our ministry as disciples of Jesus Christ, as people whom God had called to cause a change in our generation. There are times some of us, we believe that God has called us to heal the sick, but nothing has happened. And it's as if, well, I've tried everything, I've prayed, I've received prophecy, and nothing is happening. Oh. There's no more way for me to go. There's nothing again for me to do. You know, another translation says, if you fail under pressure, your strength is small. The Passion translation says, if you faint when under pressure, you have need of courage. So the first thing I want you to please notice is that adversity will come. We are not insulated from adversity, from challenges. Two, the time, what we need is strength. And it's not strength that we will go and look for when the adversity comes. It appears as if even when adversity had not come, that is the time we need to be accumulating strength. There's something in physics they call resilience or resilient, isn't it? Is 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 uh, to be resilient is to have the capacity 
not to yield to difficulty or to pressure. Isn't it? Resilience in, in to be resilient or resilience in physics is that you go through a situation, a pressure, but you don't yield because there is an elasticity in you that sort of cushions. It's not that you are not feeling the pain of the pressure. There is an elasticity that cushions the pressure, but as soon as you let go, you go back to original shape and size. Isn't it? A simple illustration is, you know, those elastic bands. You know, you apply a pressure or a force over a unit area and you strain it and you pull it. Sometimes, if you pull it over a longer unit area, it will break. Such substance in, in, in physics, I think they call it brittle, like a metal, that can easily break or yield. You say that substance is brittle. It can easily yield to pressure. But when you bring that substance, that rubber band, and you pull it, after you've pulled it over a unit area and you let go, it goes back. It means that that, that, elast, that rubber band has resilience. It will go back to its normal shape. That's the kind of Christian that Jesus is looking for. That in their life, they know that situation will come. But there is this resilience. They are resilient. They have this internal capacity inside their lives that will not allow them to yield, to fail, to crumble under pressure. And we need to develop it. I call it a virtue of life that you can, it's like a reserve. <laughs> it's like a reserve inside our life that every time you go through strain or pressure, you access it, it comes out. And it allows you to, that elasticity, it allows you to bear it, but yet you don't yield to that pressure. People who are unbendable, people who, when they are stretched, either financially, people, when they are stretched, when things are not going according to how they planned it, they don't yield to that financial difficulty. People who believe that God has called me to make him part in this city, for one year I can't see anything happening, but they still keep on to that vision that I will not yield. God, you are still going to use me. God, I cannot see me, this little me. I cannot see anything happening, but I won't give up. No matter the strain, no matter how it appears, I see people are looking at me and saying, what can, what, can anything come out of Nazareth? Can anything come out from you? But you still don't yield. And you keep going. That is the strength I'm talking about. In 2008, in America, there was this terrible hurricane, Hurricane Ike. It was said that it's the seventh, sixth or seventh deadliest uh, hurricane in America. 
it caused a lot of economic damage. In terms of, you know, in Texas, they have oil. It affected their oil industry. Trillions of dollars were wiped away within a space of a short period of time. Almost over 100,000 homes were destroyed. But there was a guy who built his house purposely to resist the flood water. That was the only house that stood. But do you know, he didn't start building his house when the hurricane came. He already planned that if there is any flood, I am going to design my house to withstand flood. I, I hope you are getting me. I'm not talking about this emergency fire brigade approach to adversity. I'm talking about a conscious, intentional, you know, strength in God that I'm not going to yield. I'm not going to bend. I'm not going to collapse. I'm not going to buckle, no matter the pressure of the world. Because he that is in me is greater than he that is in the world. And if God is for me, who can be against me? A conscious effort that I can tap into that, I can trust God, and I can keep going. Hmm. So I want to talk about the source of, of this strength. Is that okay? Because it says if you fail, if you buckle under adversity, your strength is small. Let's read Isaiah chapter 42, verse 1 to 4. I'm really going to be giving you examples, even of Jesus. Can you imagine Jesus? He saw somebody who was blind. And he prayed for the man. And I'm talking about Jesus. He prayed for the man. And he said, can you see? The man said, yes, I can see. I can see men. I can see people like trees. It appeared to me as what Jesus did. He didn't accomplish the purpose. You know, if I was the man, I would be begging Jesus, don't do anything again. For so many years, I couldn't see. At least, when I see people, I would, I would, how do you call it in computer? I would reboot it and interpret it as if I'm seeing men. Just let me be seeing trees, but I will assume they are men. <laughs> what do you call it? Is it conversion or something? I don't know. Jesus said no. I'm not going to give up. He said, I'm going to pray again. Can you imagine he went to his reserve? That there is the power of God in me. That when the power of God starts a project, it has the ability and the capability to finish that project. And his word will not return unto him void. Of course, I tried. I didn't succeed. I want to try again. That was Jesus. He went, when he was just about to die, he went to the garden. He depended on Peter, James, and John. And said, please, you know, my, he said, my soul is sorrowful. Can you imagine Jesus? 
He got to a point in his life where his soul, he said, is sorrowful, even unto death. He said, please, bear with me, pray for me. His loyalists, his friends. As soon as Jesus went away, Peter, James, and Joseph, has he gone? Where is the pillow? <laughs> they were looking for a pillow and they were snoring. Can you imagine where Jesus was praying? He was assuming that there were some people who were interceding for him. He got back and said, Ah, you guys, you are still sleeping. So he woke them up. Or probably you were tired. At least I've woken you up again. Please bear with me. My soul is exceedingly sorrowful. He went back again. Peter, has he gone? Where, can you see him? He said, No. Where is my Ah, James, why did you take my pillow? <laughs> can you see Jesus? He depended on people and he disappointed him. You've depended on people before. You've trusted people to do something for you and they disappointed you. We have challenges like that in life. So Isaiah 42, verse 1 to 4. It was a prophecy about the Lord Jesus Christ. It says, Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will bring justice to the nation. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smothering wick he will not snuff off. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged. Oh, I like that verse 4. He will not falter. No matter what he goes through, he will not be discouraged. Till he establishes justice, until he fulfilled his purpose on earth. In his teaching, the islands will put their hope. Let me read it in, in um, Amplified Version. Isaiah 42 verse 4. In Amplified Version, is just behind there. It says, he will not fail or become weak or be crushed or discouraged till he has established justice in the earth. We are people that will not fail. We are people that will not become weak. We are people that will not be crushed or discouraged. Why? We have an internal reserve. I'm going to be talking to us about that strength. But you will notice that verse 1 says, here is my servant. I am the one that will uphold him. My chosen one in whom I delight. If Jesus died for us, Jesus delights in you. And he said, I'm the one that wants to uphold you for your life and for your ministry. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28 to 30. Sorry, I'm going to land somewhere. Don't worry. Isaiah 40, 28 to 31. It says, do you not know? Please, the, the Isaiah 42 we read, it says, I am the one that will uphold you. It says, do you not know 
Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator, the creator of the hands of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength. <laughs> Are you beginning to see that? Please, that is one dimension I want you to take hold of. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Please notice, strength and power. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord, are you beginning to see? Those who hope in the Lord, it will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow, and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Let me read it in, in an amplified version, verse 31. I just like amplified today. I don't know why. It says, but those who wait for the Lord... Who expect, who look for, and hope in him. Do you see when adversity comes, the first thing is not to be looking around. He says, those who hope for, those who look for, those who expect and hope in him, shall change and renew their strength. Hmm. You know what this is telling me? It says, shall change and renew their strength. It took me back to how you service your car. You know why you need to service your car after you've run for about 10,000 miles? It's because the viscosity of the engine, or of the engine oil, after an internal friction decreases over a, it decreases per time. So if you don't want your engine to be knocking against each other, you need to change it. Why? Because the viscosity is decreasing. So the Bible says, those who change their engine oil. <laughs> I like that. Every time. When you need to take your car for servicing, take it for servicing. Why? The viscosity of the engine oil is decreasing because of the internal friction. So if you want your engine to perform quite well, you need to, change, you need to take it for regular change and renewal. It says, we renew their strength and power. They shall lift their wings and mount up close to God as eagles mount up to the sun. <clears throat> Let me quickly say this. You know, this is just our identity. The eagle is the only bird when it's flying normally. I'm not saying when it's struggling to fly higher. When an eagle is flying normally, it doesn't meet any bird. The eagle flies the farthest. When an eagle meets another type of bird, it means it's flying low. And when there is storm, <laughs> the storm actually helps the eagle to fly further and higher. That's the kind of Christian God is looking for. 
People who will go to God for him to change their angel oil regularly and renew their strength. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint or become tired. So I'm beginning to see that when we need strength, when we need grace, when we need power, when we need wisdom, when we need the peace of God at the right time, when I was looking at all this, I found an answer to the stress of our strength. And I'm going to just quickly say it. Psalm 46 verse 1. Psalm 46 verse 1. So what is the source of this strength? <clears throat> and I'm going to round up. 46 verse 1. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Please, <laughs> I want you to notice what I'm about to say. It's very, very important. You know in Isaiah we said, God gives strength to the weary. That is, that is one aspect. Yes, God gives strength. The strength I'm talking about is not the giving. I'm talking about the Lord God Almighty is your strength. It's a person, the Lord God Almighty. That is another dimension in life and ministry. That when you go out to go and minister, of course, you know God will give you strength. But you know that God, who is your strength, is going with you. That is what will not allow you to yield to the devices of the devil. That God himself is my strength. That, that is where my strength comes from. I like that. That God is my power. It's not that he will, I know he will give me power. The Bible says Jesus is the wisdom and power of God. When I need wisdom, it says does anybody lack wisdom? Jesus himself. So I'm not even talking to us to go and be looking for, uh, this is one thing, two, three, seven things to do in order not to buckle under pressure. I'm saying God himself is our strength. The closer you are to him, the more you connect with him, the more you look to him, the more you trust him, the more your strength is renewed as you wait on him. When he's talking about grace, the Bible says Jesus was full of, truth, of, of grace and truth. It's an embodiment of grace. When you're talking about the peace you need, when there is storm, it says, I'm the prince of peace. So I'm talking about God. Thank him. I hope you're understanding me. I will give peace. But I'm talking about himself being our peace. You know, Daniel, thank you for that scripture. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16. You know what it says? Let us go to the throne of grace where we will obtain mercy and grace to help us in time of need. That's where to go to. 
Let me finish this message with the last Bible passage we are going to read. I'm not going to read the, just the last one. Ephesians chapter 6. I'm sure we know about, I'm just going to finish with that. Ephesians chapter 6. I'll read from verse 10. That's where it talks about put on the whole armor of God. Putting on the whole armor of God. I'm sure we have read it, we know about that. But when I was reading it again, I saw something a bit different. <clears throat> Please follow me. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord. Did you see strength again? And in his mighty power. It now says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. You know what I'm saying there? It says the reason why you are taking on the full armor of God, and when you read Psalm 91 verse 4, it says his faithful promises. God himself is our armor, is our protection, is our shield. So before you start talking about the shield of faith, helmet of salvation, no, I'm talking about God himself is, is, is your hammer. You know, is your protection, is your shield. So he says when you put this full armor of God on, you will not buckle. He says it's so that you will not, not start begging the devil and start pleading. It's to stand. So I saw that when I have God, I can stand. I don't know whether, whether you are following me. So, you know, sometimes when we read it, we say, oh, let me read the Bible for this to happen. No, no. I'm talking about the full armor of God. First of all, for me to stand, not to collapse, not to faint, not to yield under pressure. Verse 12. It says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Can you see the people we are fighting against? These are wicked people. Can you see what the Bible says is not flesh and blood? Don't think you are fighting against human beings. It says you are fighting against rulers, people who have power. To make things happen that can oppress us. You know, people who are blindfolded the eyes of men so that they will not see the light of the gospel. In fact, when we were, we were uh, doing our family altar yesterday, we were reading uh, Romans 1 and 30. The Bible says that some people, they've given their lives to invent evil continually. They hate God so much that they are doing things, you know, to pull us down. I remember Gaddafi in those days in Africa. Gaddafi can buy one million Bibles and burn them. He will, will buy the Bibles. So it's not that he will buy the Bibles and then burn them. There are some people like that. So those are the people we are fighting for who have power, who have money. The Bible says power of the dark against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. You now know the next thing it says, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, the day of evil will come. 
you may be able to stand your ground. That is the first thing I'm looking at. So when I'm looking at the armor of God, I'm not first of all looking at, of course I need to preach the gospel and all those things. It's to stand. It's not to buckle. It's not to yield. That's the kind of men and women that God is raising up and you are one of them. That we believe that we are going to make Jesus' name known in our city. We will not fail until we realize that. We are not going to buckle. We are not going to yield no matter the, the, the forces of the rulers in the dark places. You know why? God himself is with us. We are not going to retreat. We are not going to beg. We are not going to, we are not going to be discouraged. We are not going to fail. We are not going to faint because God is our strength and we won't buckle. God is with us. God is for us. We will win and we will overcome. Amen.